Welcome to A Slob Comes Clean, the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog almost every day as Noni, which is short for anonymous, over at aslobcomesclean.com. That's where I share my personal deslobification process as I figure out ways to keep my own home under control. I share the truth about cleaning and organizing strategies that actually work in real life for real people. People who don't necessarily love cleaning and organizing. This is podcast number 89, which means that as of right now, I have recorded more podcasts than my father-in-law has had birthdays, which absolutely makes no sense or anything, but like that's how my brain works, just so we know. Okay, um, I am so excited. I have another guest today, and I'm really hoping that my audio problems from the last time I had a guest, which was the first time I'd ever had a guest, have been improved. I tested my microphone like 65 or two times today. So hopefully it's actually not going to sound like the last one did, even though that was great content. I do apologize for that. So, but before we get started, I want to let you know that I have a new link to share with you. Um, I get emails from a lot of you and I can't even express to you how much I appreciate it when you say, Hey, Show me your Amazon link so I can use it. And I appreciate that so much. But I have been listening to podcasts that suddenly are sharing a link that I'm like, oh, my goodness, I want to do that, too. So I had my tech guy do it. So you can go to aslobcomesclean.com slash Amazon, and it will take you straight to Amazon through my affiliate link, which means that's all you have to do. And you will go straight to Amazon. And anything you buy while you're there, I'll get a little teeny tiny Bit. It does not affect the price for you, but it's very, very helpful for me. Okay, um, I will give you more announcements at the end of the show, including the date for our patron-only hangout for March. Okay, so let's get going. Mary Carver is a friend of mine, and she looks super pretty right now. We're doing this on Blab, um, but y'all can't see her because it's a podcast. And we actually did not invite anyone to come join this Blab because that makes me nervous because I'm not quite the... Um, podcast interviewer yet, but I'm trying to get there. Okay, so Mary's here. Mary has a blog called givinguponperfect.com. Let's all just take a moment and think about that title and how awesome it is. Givinguponperfect.com, which I think that being her blog title is the reason that she and I get along really well. Um, Mary actually has edited several of my eBooks and we specifically got a, um, an email from someone one time that said, thank you so much. And thank you to your editor because your editor is awesome. And I said, I know that, um, because she's really great. And it is kind of a passion of mine to make sure I don't have grammar mistakes, but you know what, now that I've said that I'll probably have one of my real books. So, um, Mary is here. She has co-authored a book that was released in January. Is that right, Mary? That is right, January 5th. Okay, January 5th. So it has been out. I have read it. I love this book. I love Mary, and we're going to talk about this book. Um, but before I do, let me just give you a little background on her, okay? So a couple summers ago, I, I think it was the first summer that I had decided I was going to take off from blogging just to totally focus on my family while they're out of school and everything. And um, anyway, so I had some blogging friends just put together a little, hey, give me your housekeeping links and I'll put those in a post or whatever. Well, whenever Mary's comes up, like I'll put it back out on Facebook or whatever, but people love it. Like if you have been, one, if you're one of my people that's read the blog from beginning to end, you know Mary, I've mentioned her many times. But anyway, the last time that I put out on Facebook, somebody said, you should have her as a podcast guest. So 
it is official that you are the number one requested podcast guest for the podcast. <laughs> that is because quite I mean, the honor. It is. You are the number. You, I mean, by 100%, you have completely outnumbered everyone else. I don't know math, so I don't know if that actually is true. But um, anyway, that you are the number one request because you're the only one. But that I just thought it was really, it was really cool because I hadn't had any guests at that point. I was like, you know what? Mary is somebody I would totally like to have on my podcast. So, okay, um, we're going to get into some things about you and talk about the book. But here's my little thing that I want to do when I have podcast guests. And I gave you a warning about this, about your, um, what's making your life easier. Do you have something that you can share with us? Oh, see, you know, I even went back and looked at our emails because I thought to myself, I think, okay, I'll share mine for me. Yes. I'll share mine and maybe that will drag, you know, whatever, jog your memory. Okay. So mine is squeezable sour cream. Daisy now has a squeezable sour cream package. And I pretty much love anything squeezable because it's one spoon I don't have dirty. And that just, it it makes, it makes me like ridiculously happy in a way that shouldn't be quite that impactful in my life. But like, I love it. So, um, you know, I I love squeezable garlic. Have you ever gotten squeezable pre-chopped garlic? No, it's so great as as opposed to, you know, I don't buy pre-chopped garlic, um, but yeah, they have it in the little glass jars. Well, they also have a squeezable one. And so I just go into the pan. Of course, I don't measure garlic ever. So oh, there you go. No. Wow. so much. Like three seconds. I know. That is what you get on this podcast. Quality. <laughs> okay. Have you thought of something? Yes. You know, right? Yes. Yes. Actually, I did think of two things. So I'm, okay, I'll, I'll be fast. So the first thing is a product. And it, um, it's Tide Pods, the laundry detergent pods. Um, oh, yes. I'm in love with the dishwasher. I'm in love with all kinds of pods. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Yes. So I actually, I would never, uh, because I am not a, I buy like store brands as much as I can. And so I would never have bought these. But I want this huge lapidus. I, I want this huge package of cleaning supplies from a friend's book. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing that is making my life easier is that I don't fold my kids' clothes. For the laundry. Are they doing so, it, or are you shoving it in the drawer? Um, so my older daughter, she's eight. Uh-huh. I have assigned this to her, and it's, I mean, it's torture. It's child abuse. It's the worst thing. Oh, yeah. When I give her a giant basket of clean clothes and say, put them away. I mean, I'm, I'm the worst mom ever. Oh, but well, of course. Yeah. You know, it's making my life so much easier. And it's going to be so worth it one day. One <laughs> like, day. So, she will be so thankful. She will. We tell ourselves that, right? Yeah, yes, she will. Until we get through. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So before we um, get going, we have to talk about a quote that I read recently that I think you're going to love. Okay. Because Mary wrote this book. It is called, I just took the cover off. So anyway, it's called Choose Joy. I knew that, but I wanted to be sure. Um, Because that is exactly what I would do is say the wrong book. Um, Anyway, Mary wrote this book and she, her process was what, maybe like six months ahead of my process for my book writing or something. So a lot of the stuff that you were going through, I'd look at you and go, oh, my goodness. I'm like, that's what I have. You know, so we, we have a lot um, of things in common at this point. But here's here's my quote, okay? And I saw this on Facebook, and I actually went to find the quote, and I had to find it, like, in its original source. Not because I'm like that, but that's where I found it. Anyway, it's J.K. Rowling. Are you a Harry Potter fan? Okay. Um, so it's JK Rowling, which it's Rowling, not Rowling, because I watched a movie and found that out because I'd been mispronouncing it forever. But you did, did you know it was yeah. Rowling? I yeah. No, it, my son and I watched a, a thing of her life or whatever. And, okay. um, we were both like, oh, it's Rowling, not Rowling. Oh, okay. Wow. Um, I think now I'm questioning myself, but anyway, so here's her quote. And this was, um, it was fun to go back and find the source because it actually came from like an interview that she did where they went back to the home where she was living when she wrote the first book. Um, and so she was like remembering this. Okay. Here's the quote. People often say to me, how did you do it? How did you raise a baby and write a book? And the answer is I didn't do housework for four years. I'm not superwoman and living in squalor. That was the answer. And I, I just love saw that. This. Yes, I. Is I that, that the best? It is. I don't know if I have that pinned or I. Oh, maybe I saw it on Facebook. Did you post it on Facebook? I did post it on Facebook. Yeah, but I couldn't find it, so I went and found the original, which was neat to kind of see where she, where it was that yeah. she said that she was remembering, and she talked a lot about how how hard it was in those years and living in the situation that she was living in. And but I love it because it's such an example of that creative brain and you really can't do it all. And sometimes people think, wow, you do such big things. It's like, well, it's because I'm letting little things or what ultimately is a big thing go, you know, and it's just that realization. I can't do everything. And sometimes to get the big stuff done, this is just what's going to happen. And I just, I loved that, but I already thought that she was a kindred spirit because of the way she described the Weasley's house. Because, you know, like it was, they were fun and they were sweet and they were loving. And I mean, he felt so at home there, but it was messy. I mean, there was always talk about like messy, you know, outside the door, there's like piles of, you know, cauldrons or whatever. I mean, just like, anyway, it just, 
I, oh, I told my husband even, I was like, I think she's a kindred spirit. I really do. <laughs> anyway, that is perfect. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. To me, that's just the best quote ever. So anyway, um, what, tell me the short version of Mary's story. Like, tell me your, who you are and how you got to where you are. The short version. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I'm going to cut you that's off dangerous. if you go too that's long. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah.
and letting go of perfect, but not being slob. But also, then there's like throw my husband into the mix of managing his expectations and mine. And then we have these kids that I should be setting a good example for and teaching them. And it's just one big. I got it. Yeah, it's a mess. Yeah, <laughs> but you're good. So though. A lot of times my house. <laughs> but you're also you're also a writer, which um, is a creative type personality. Which is often very related to all of this because we're like, hey, why deal with the piddly day to day? I have better things to do than that for sure. Right. So, so yeah. Right. Okay, tell me what a day in your life looks like. And I know not all days are the same, but just give me like a day in your life. Okay. A day in the life is I get up later than I want to because I'm a night owl and I stayed up too late. So I roll out of bed fall on the floor, you know, like, okay, so I'm out of bed. Um, I get my girls ready to go. I throw granola bars at their faces and um, maybe like a go-gurt <laughs> because none of us are really horny people. So we kind of wake up in, in front of cartoons and granola bars and we get ready. I drop them off. I take my other daughter to school. She's in second grade. And I take my younger daughter on some days to the babysitter. And then I come home and I sit in front of the computer and I do my part-time job, blogging or book writing stuff, social media stuff, or looking up appropriate, uh, did you say GIF or GIF? Oh my goodness. I don't, yes. I purposely don't say it. Right, right. That's the thing. Right. Yeah. I look up appropriate movie pictures. It's those G I F. It's like a it's like a picture, uh -huh, but it's uh -huh. several pictures together, kind of repeating over and over. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. I need to look look those up so that I can be funny in conversations on Facebook <laughs> or other. Um, like you know, and then I need to read about my favorite TV shows. And oh yeah, then I get back to work. So I do that, you know, during the day. Um, and then I go pick up the girls, which is takes an hour as far as like driving to get one and then sitting in the carpool line. And then we come home and chaos ensues because the girls are and they're bringing all their stuff inside the house in the mail and has a work night. So then he's getting up for the day, but he's also getting ready to go to work. Then I'm supposed to make him dinner. Um, and so eventually somehow we eat dinner and then he runs out the door, and then I put the girls to bed, put the dishes. And I think to myself, remember that time you told Dana you were going to really unload the dishwasher every night? <laughs> remember that time I wrote a guest post that she just shared uh -huh. on Facebook this uh -huh. week? Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. At that time, it was true. And it's, yes. it's occasionally true. It's you know, like still true like, that it works. It's still true that it works. Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, so then I crash on the couch. And turn on the TV and watch TV while I do my little computer until I go to bed way too late because I stay up reading. Yeah. I, I feel like, and, and as I go to bed, I think tomorrow, tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow's the day I'm going to get up early to work out and we're not going to eat any fast food and I'm going to get caught up in the laundry tomorrow. 
you know what you need? You need a book called How to Manage Your Home Without Losing Your Mind. Because, yeah, that'll be out November 8th, just so you know. Excellent. <laughs> you, know yeah. you know I will be reading it. Oh, I, know. I can't wait. Okay. So, um, all right. So we're going to talk specifically about the book. The book is called yes. Choose Joy, and you are a co-author with Sarah Frankel. And so the little bit of this story, and I'm going to tell it, and then I'm going to let you give some more information. Um, Sarah was a blogger who you were very close friends with in, you know, blogging communities. And this was back in the day, kind of before I started, where blogging was almost a version of Facebook in a way, wasn't it? Like you kept up with people's lives. And yeah, so it was a little more, um, it was was a different time. But you guys were um, very close friends. And I went to her blog occasionally, I think through you after I met you. Um, But Sarah was, um, she had a terminal disease that was um, very, very painful. Like pain was the main issue. That she, I mean, everything else too, but that was her constant struggle was the pain that she was in. Um, and she passed away, was it in 2011? Okay, she passed away. And um, But in her blog, she had written about her decision to choose joy in the midst of her chronic pain that she dealt with. And you and her were friends. And so tell us how this has come about for you to co-author this book that has been published now after she passed away, was it four years before or five years before? Well, it was kind of like two and a half years before we started. Okay. So tell us how that came about. Well, what happened is that I had been talking to an agent about writing a book and um, he asked me for a proposed agent and uh, it still needed some work, but I was actually nine months pregnant. So she said, you go have your baby, books will be here, um, you know, just take the time you need. She was very kind, uh, even though I felt like, oh, I can't stop now, but then I had a baby, so. You had to stop. For me. Yes. I had to stop, uh, and that was a good thing. Um, but then a few months later, she emailed me and said, hey, I have this idea. I know you have a baby, but call me if you have time. Well, of course, I dropped my baby on the couch and right away. Not literally. Okay. Not literally. <laughs> um, I put my baby down gently. Yes, of course. Um, anyways, so come to find out that this agent had also been speaking, contacted by Sarah's sister, Laura. Um, after Sarah died, a lot of people said to her family, you know, you should turn this into a book. I wish this was a book. I wish I could keep this blog with me because it was so encouraging and so inspiring. And so Laura spent a lot of time going through Sarah's blog. And she, um, like you, she wrote every day, almost every day. And so uh, her sister went through her blog and pulled up the best work. And it was, when printed out, it was a huge stack of paper. Because there was a lot of good work, and so she sent it to the same agent that I was talking to, and said, "Here's what, here's our story, here's what we would like to do," and um, but they needed a writer to make it happen, and so because Sarah was the only actual writer in the family, and so Ruth, my agent, thought of me and called me and said, "Do you want to do this?" So Ruth asked me if I'd be interested in this project, 
didn't even know when she called me that Sarah and I had been friends. That's she awesome. That, I mean, it's just such a, a God thing, the way that, you know, he connected all the dots. Um, and so I took what her sister had put together, and it was literally this giant stack of paper, tiny, tiny type, um, and it was all these blog posts. And then I, I, I went through them, and then I went through her blog, and I went through emails, and I had exchanged her and other things. And presto changeo. Awesome. <laughs> Turned it into a book. <laughs> um, the presto changeo was actually a really complicated but fun editing and curating project for me. Just, it really was like a puzzle trying to figure out which pieces needed to go where, what post had the same theme, um, and then kind of writing around it. Very cool. Make it all and you did a really good job. You really and did. So, yeah. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about, let me share why I feel like this book is a very appropriate one to talk about with my people, because um, my people, you know, I get emails about people's different stories, but one of the recurring things that I hear all the time is um, I hear from people who suffer from chronic pain, and that is such a challenge in keeping your home under control. It just... It's a, it's a huge challenge, and and a lot of it comes with um, or from the frustration with a lot of these people weren't like me and that they didn't grow up messy. You know, I was messy from the time I came out of the womb, basically, you know. So, but a lot of people who at one time did put a lot of time and energy and focus into their homes and took pride in keeping it perfect um, or even just really nice um, – once they go through something that causes chronic pain and they suffer from that for a long time, then they're not able to live up to the standard that they once had. And that's a really difficult time. So a lot of the things that Sarah talks about and that you cover in the book um, have to do with that. Um, you know, the book is specifically called Choose Joy because that was her, would you say that was her mantra or her kind of her life philosophy in general? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's a tough thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's a tough thing when you have something that, you know, I think a lot of times we can look at different people's situations and maybe not be as sympathetic, you know, as we should be. Because usually when you get to know somebody, you realize their situation really is very difficult. Um, but chronic pain, I think, is something that scares everyone. I mean, the thought of constantly being in pain is, is really hard. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those inarguable trials that she went through. I mean, you, you can't minimize that. Um, so tell us a little about, about what exactly her, um, diagnosis was. Sure. Sarah had an autoimmune disease. And so, um, it's, and, and her form of disease is very extreme. Some people have it and don't suffer the, the same, all the same symptoms or to such an extent. Um, it's, it's when your bones, specifically your spine, fuse together. And for Sarah, and her body um, was a real overachiever in that area. So she developed other symptoms and diseases on top of that. She had developed Crohn's disease. She developed allergies to everything. So 
foods she loved, even the outside air to the point where she could not be with its special air filtration system. And she would, you know, she couldn't be around people who just had the sniffles because for her that would mean pneumonia. And um, she couldn't eat a lot of foods. And so, yeah, her body just attacked itself. And, and so the result was not only a lot of inconvenience and a lot of limitation, but extreme pain. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I can't right. imagine. I try to imagine, you know, as, you know, being part of our book together and working with her story, but, you know, the reality is I can't. Well, and, you know, honestly, one thing that you know, I'm, I'm just thinking of as you're talking is she mentions those things, but that's not what she dwells on. You know, she talks about these things that make you go, wow, this is significant. This is extreme. This is not just, oh, my foot hurts when it's about to rain. But I mean, this is like, this is extreme stuff, but that's not, it's just kind of, she puts that in there so you'll understand, but it's not, she doesn't go on and on about that at all. Um, Right. No, no, no. And honestly, when I started reading the blog, I didn't realize she was Really? I just, hey, this girl's really funny and we kind of like this, you know, the same things and we seem to have similar personalities and I want to get to know her. And then I realized, whoa, yes. So I, you know, I thought we are really going to be friends. And that was before I had any idea that she was sick. I had no idea. Like, um, and then realized she had so much going on on the other side of her screen that I was clueless about. Uh, because I really wasn't what she focused on. I wasn't, you know, she would talk about being sick just to give people context from her life and from her message but yeah like you said she didn't do a lot yeah and I think that's one of the things as I read it you know there were just I have three different passages that I want to talk about but um specifically because of that perspective that she had so many of her insights apply to all different kinds of situations you know, I mean, yeah. yes, she had intensely difficult things that brought about her thought processes and her insights, but those insights can be beneficial to people in all kinds of situations. Um, okay, so Absolutely. let me go through a couple of the things that strike me. One of them where I was like, oh, yeah, this is a great thing to talk about in the podcast um, was, and you talked about your own experience as well with, um, for her, it was there was a, a, was it a tornado that had happened somewhere and she decided to get rid of her clothes uh, or to donate her clothing. And in it, she talks about um, how difficult that was. And the, this moment of decluttering basically was her accepting that her life was really, she was really never going to need these clothes again. You know, so one of the, um, one of the quotes that I had, um, she said, they haven't been of any use to me for such a long time, but I couldn't seem to get rid of them without a reason. I mean, what if after 10 years of getting worse, I wake up tomorrow able to stay at a wedding again? You know, and I just think I totally get that because I have these same types of thoughts, but hers were, I mean, that's, that's, that's a grieving process that she had to go through. And I, it sounds like a lot of the things that like doing that decluttering process was actually a part of the grieving process for her of that transitioning into acceptance of, okay, 
you know, not that all hope was gone. I'm sure there was never a point where all hope was gone, but of really realizing this is the way it is. I really, truly am most likely not going to need these things ever again. Um, and just that, that grieving process for you, you talk, tell us a little bit about when you decided to stay home with your kids and you had a, a life change because I think that's something I definitely, I still have a few things that I think, really, why do I still have this? Um, things I wore to weddings and such, you know, I've gotten rid of most of them now after 14 years, but um, I still have a few that you just think, well, maybe I do need that still. Anyway, tell us about your process like that. Well, like I shared in the book, when I uh, left my job to stay home with my daughter, I had a closet full of work clothes. And after a while, I realized um, that I did not need them anymore. And it was my quite the variety of work clothes because I had to be many different sizes and so um, for me and it you know when you describe it as part of the grieving process I think that's so accurate because I know for me I was grieving the loss whether temporary or permanent but the loss of career um, even though it was I mean it was my choice to say but, but it was hard for you. I, I remember when you went through that. It was not It was not a yippee, I get to stay home. It really was a hard decision that you made. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. And so, you know, that was a loss. And then also, um, you know, the different sizes. Um, I mean, I've always struggled with weight. And so I've, I've bought clothes in all different sizes over my hood. And... So both of those things led me to similar similar situation that Sarah described where I had to come to terms with, this is who I am today, and this is my life today. And so I need the tools and resources for today for the reality, and not for I may never need that anymore. And so it's okay to say goodbye. And sure, you know, it's, there's grief there, there's sadness and loss. But then turning and looking at, okay, so what does today really look like? Who am I? And what am I facing? And then for her, you know, for me too, it's finding the joy in the reality of today, not the possibility. Because I think when we think about maybe, maybe I'll need that, or maybe I'll lose 20 pounds by tomorrow, you know. Yep. No. You know, if I just drink water for 10 years, you know. <laughs> It's not a lot of weight. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, she talked a lot about accepting um, accepting the reality and not being obsessed with a fantasy or a possibility. And like you said, not that she didn't have hope. She always had hope. But she was also realistic and, you know, in facing what was really going on. I think that's one of the things that struck me so much was – as someone who tends to live happily in denial about so many things, um, she did not. She really did live in reality. And I think a lot of that was her processing through things through writing on her blog. I mean, that was the impression that I got was that that's how she worked through a lot of these different things. So something else that, um, that Sarah talks about um, is kind of training herself to view things differently. 
Um, one of the things, we're having a little bit or a lot of technical difficulties, but we're hoping that we're getting it figured out so that it won't be quite as much in the actual podcast. Um, but one of the things that she talked about was kind of training her brain to change her thinking processes, her patterns, which I know um, I used to talk about on the blog a lot about, I'm going to retrain my brain, which ultimately I think now I, I kind of don't really talk about that as much because now I look at it as I know what the routines are. These routines are never going to come naturally to me. It's just a matter of me going back to the routines right. over and over and over. But I did really find it interesting what she was doing. She had a dog that she was very, very close to, which I'm telling you, I love my puppy so much that I am, I have become this huge fan of people living alone, making sure they have a dog or something. Cause I mean, really she's such company to me during the day when I'm home by myself. And like, I, you know, I haven't ever had an inside dog before. And so I get it now in a way that I didn't used to, but anyway, so she loved her dog and some training that she had done with him and, you know, ways that she kind of, you know, thought that through and helped herself anyway. Um, so in this, she was talking though, and I, I thought this was all going to make sense. And now I'm looking at the quote and I'm not sure it actually goes with the dog thing I was just saying, but anyway. Okay. So here's the quote that I thought was really interesting it was someone called Charles Caleb Colton said, it is good to act as if it is even better to grow to the point where it is no longer an act. Okay. She goes on. This is how she feels the process has been for her acting as if she agreed with how God wanted me to act. Even the, even when she didn't really agree with it. So like going ahead and just doing what you're supposed to do. And then a quote she has later on that again, I'm not sure where the dog thing came in. Um, yeah. Okay. She talks about, Oh, she talks about kind of, you know, a way that you redirect a dog, like through the dog whisperer or something, I guess with somebody she studied. And I have heard of that guy before. Um, but you know, it was kind of this little sh sound that she would make to kind of redirect when the dog was focused on the wrong thing. And so she started kind of doing that with herself, just, you know, she's focusing on the wrong thing. So she just kind of made this little whatever to stop herself and just redirect how she was thinking. And it got easier for her to think differently over time of just doing that, making herself redirect her thinking. It made it easier to think differently anyway. So, what she said was, I guess if there is one major lesson buried in that experience, it's this. It takes just as much effort, if not more, to resist the inevitable as it does to go through the inevitable. And I was like, oh, that's good stuff right there. Because that yeah. that's like big major life stuff, but that's also doing the dishes. Right. You know, I mean, it is. You know, yeah. to resist something that you're going to have to do, it's so much, it's more energy and more effort to resist it than it is to actually go ahead and do it. Not to mention the effort that's going to be required one day when you have to do it because it's inevitable. Anyway, so I really, um, I think that seizing the day, just kind of going with that, tell us a little bit about um, just her overall perspective of just going with what she's, the day that she's got that day. I'm trying to remember if, um, you know, because some of the, some of the things that I put in the book, I took them, not to say I took them out of context, but I didn't necessarily include all of the chronological context for writers. Right. If it didn't, if it wasn't necessary. I think she may have written about that around the same time that she was realizing that she had to go up a, a major decrease of her steroids. So she, yes, that was the part. Okay. So she 
was on steroids instead of cream, but the steroids caused Cushing's disease. Um, which what I, is Cushing's disease? You would ask that. I know for Never mind. <laughs> I know it caused, I bet she, it gave her crazy, crazy weight gain, like, uh, yes. in a very short amount of time. So, like, painful weight gain. Um, yes. I think yes. there were other things along with it. Um, but anyway, so the medicine to help one situation made another situation so bad that she had to go into the medicine. But she knew that that would cause unbearable pain for an extended amount of time. And so she talked a lot about how just the tension between being scared of what's coming or not wanting to do what she had to do and knowing she had to do it anyway and trusting that God will carry her through that. And so I think that's where she talked about this. Um, But like you said earlier, even though that's a very serious heavy situation it does apply to doing the dishes or everything in between i mean i think about um this isn't what you asked me but it's what i'm going to tell you i think about get right ahead um what my husband and i just did at our house so we are putting our house and that required some decluttering and major major decluttering in our garage and so you know we talk about the same energy to avoid the inevitable, to go through the inevitable. We have been just coping with this jam-packed, messy garage for months. You know, just working working around it and breaking up to about it and dealing with it instead of just cleaning it up. And it wasn't fun to clean it up. It did take a lot of work. We're both still exhausted two days later. But it really didn't take any energy or time than what we've used up um, putting it off. But you, you, it took a lot of effort to put it off. Exactly. exactly. Just the, that feeling of dread yes. is actually very emotionally and even physically dreading, um, draining sometimes. Yes. Dreading, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that is. I, I think that's that tenseness. You know, sometimes after you finish something and you just feel that whole body like, Oh, that's done. I didn't even realize how tense I was right. about this thing that I was dreading dealing with. And if I would have just dealt with it, I could have been this relaxed sooner. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And now I just want to walk into my garage just to look at it. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, just I know. to walk on the yeah. floor that's now clear. <laughs> yeah. It could tap dance or something out there. In yeah. theory, in theory, I totally could. I've got several pairs of tap shoes if you need to borrow some. So anyway. Um, okay, so I'm we are at an hour-ish. I'm not sure with all the pauses we've had to make. But um, I wanted to ask you one last question, and this is about you. But um, And you kind of went into this, but tell me about the – okay, because in the time that I've known you, when I met you, you worked full-time outside the home with a toddler at home. Um, and then – you worked, then you were a stay-at-home mom, and then you were a, you say you're part-time working at home, but I think when you write a book, at least for that period of time, you're most definitely full-time, so, um, 
So, but now you're a work at home mom. So you've been the mother with a job outside the home, a stay at home mom and work full time inside the home. So tell me the, tell me the unique housekeeping struggles of those different phases and either what surprised you about what was different or surprise, what surprised you about what was still the same, even across all of those. Sure. That's a great question. It's funny. Thank you. I'm so excited that I made a great question. <laughs> well, it really is because I think we always think, regardless of the topic, we always think, if only I had this fill in the like this situation, I would be so much better at whatever we want to be better at. Yes. You know, if only my kids were older, if only my husband helped more, if only I could work so many hours. But the truth is, um, you know, I'm the same person I was, no matter where I worked. And I don't like to clean. <laughs> That's the person I am. Um, and so, I know, I, I remember having a conversation with friends before I quit my job. And I said, no, you guys, if I didn't have to be out of this house nine, ten hours a day, it would be so much cleaner. So I would be here. I would have the opportunity to do this thing that I really wanted to do. Sarah, it's at 
theshoesjoybook.com. And it's available wherever books are sold. Yeah, I mean, it, I've seen it. Yes. I've seen people post in Barnes and Noble and everything. So it's everywhere. So thank you so much. Um, for those of you who are still thank here, thank you. Um, I just wanted to remind you about that Amazon link, aslobcomesclean.com slash Amazon, which will take you straight to Amazon through my affiliate link. So you don't have to worry about finding that. And I appreciate those who do worry about it. Um, but I also want to let you know that... Um, those of you who are patrons, our patron-only hangout will be next Monday. The I'm looking on my calendar right now. Uh, the 28th at 7 p.m. Central. That's our evening one because we're switching off mornings and evenings. So I will send out an invitation to do that coming up very soon. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye.